Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 246 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Carol Shearer. Carol lives in Christchurch, New Zealand. And she is a homeschool mom and has five kids. Welcome, Carol. Morning or night, if it is there. I'm not sure the difference. You know what? I'm talking to you in the future, right? I bet it is it the 15th of July? Is it Friday where you are? See, I'm recording this on Thursday, July 14th. It always is just so funny for me, the time change, the time difference. So yes, it's morning for you and it is three in the afternoon for me. What time is it for you? It's seven o'clock in the morning here. All right. Well, thank you for getting up early and (laughs) starting your day with me. I'm still 
in the fasted state. I haven't opened my window yet. So when we finish, I'll be opening my window. But good morning to you. So you know I like to start by asking, what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? I found out about intermittent fasting in March, around March, April 2020. And what brought me to intermittent fasting is I think just the normal journey that a lot of us go on. I've had five children, and so I think in my 20s, when I had my first child, it was really easy after that pregnancy just to lose weight again. But when I hit my 30s and had more children close together, you know, I did probably the normal thing of trying the different diets that came along, you know, the things like the shake diet and the low-carb diet and the fat-free diet and the sugar-free diet. And all of them, I think, you know, helped for a short amount of time between children. But, you know, they were really hard work. You know, it's not an easy thing. I think just felt so restricted and there's something, yeah, definitely for a short amount of time that you can do but not long-term. And so I guess for me it was the up and down between children until I hit my 40s. And I'm one of those people that i always really busy and not probably good at looking after myself. I'm very family-focused. I have quite a large family. So I think I had that mindset of feeling I had to be the one looking after everyone So you kind of fall by the wayside. You're not looking after yourself. I think that's a story that's very, moms everywhere are like, yep, exactly. And I think it's, yeah, generally for a lot of us, we learn the hard way. I started homeschooling 10 years ago. I'm a primary teacher. And homeschooling wasn't something that was familiar to me. It's something that sort of we came across as we went along. My oldest boy, he went all the way through school, but our second child was really inquisitive and I taught five and six-year-olds and I thought, I don't know how this this boy is going to go in a classroom. And so it took me two years to be brave enough to give it a go. But once we started, we just absolutely loved it. And so... Can I stop you there real quick? Because I'm the, the teacher in me wants to know, and also the mom in me wants to know. So did he go to regular school for two years? Is that what you're saying? That's right. We thought about it, and then I ended up putting him into school. And, I, and it's not that it went really badly, but that desire to homeschool didn't seem to go away. And so in the end, I thought, what's the worst thing that can happen if we start to homeschool? He can always go back to school. And what I found in Christchurch is we have this amazing large community that I didn't even know existed. And so once I linked into that, as I started my the third where he was just turning five, and so I started, but it was really busy. I had a two-and-a-half-year-old and I think a six-month-old at the same time. And so it was a really busy house. And on top of that, I'm one of those people that, you know, they see and you're like, you should join this. And so, and it's the teacher in me as well. You know, I love doing and organizing. And so a year into homeschooling, I joined the homeschool committee that ran the community. And then a year after that, I became the joint coordinator for the homeschool committee. 
So it's the busy of homeschooling and running a house and being involved in family and then we had some issues in our homeschool community that you know pulled me away from home on top of what I was doing and so it became quite a stressful time and instead of thinking about what I was doing and putting boundaries in I just kept pushing. Well, that makes sense. I mean, you have that teacher background, right? So we're used to juggling a million balls. I mean, I know teachers are not the only profession that <laughs> juggles a million balls, but you know, I'm sure when they the, the homeschool community in your area found out that you had that education background, they're like, "Oh, Carol can really be an asset to our community." But it was hard to say no. So, you know, I didn't know what happened at the time, but a couple of years later or a year or so later, I realized that I sent myself into burnout and that was tough. You know, the level of exhaustion when you hit burnout and the damage that does to your body, you know, was a real wake up call for me, you know, and it's not that then I could really obviously completely stopped because I was still doing all the same things but I realized that I would have to learn to start to put boundaries up and say no to things and so it really took two years to recover from hitting the burnout stage and the sad thing that happened during that is my metabolism just completely crashed and I lost my hunger but then everything was out of whack. You know, I felt tired, so what did I do? I'd have a cappuccino. So that, you know, because you're always looking for how can I get the energy. And so, you know, I'd start my day with a cappuccino, then I'd probably have one at 10 o'clock, and then I'd have one at lunchtime. And still in all of that, I wasn't hungry. And then my weight was obviously starting to increase because my metabolism had crashed. And so I'd just eat little bits of food or I'd eat healthy food and my weight just kept going up. And so it was a really frustrating stage. I definitely am a researcher. Anything that happens, I will read around it. So I was looking and reading and and part of in that time, it lent me, sent me down a journey of, you know, reducing toxins in our house. I got into essential oils to help with you know, relaxing and reduce, took out all, you know, changed our cleaning products and changed all the things I was using on myself, but couldn't find the answers to restart my metabolism. And, you know, it was a really stressful time. I was 42 and ahead, I think we start in our 40s to think, oh, like 50, you know, I'm going to hit menopause and look at me now. And this is just going to get so much worse if I can't find some answers. And so I was lucky in that time that one of my friends, Heather Stewart, who you've spoken to before in New Zealand, I hadn't, she's just someone who I see occasionally. So I think I'd seen, hadn't seen her for maybe six months. And then I saw her and she had lost weight. And and at the time I didn't question because you a lot of the times when you catch up with people in a group, it's not something that you bring up. I think she did a, a post on her Facebook wall. And so I sort of read it and thought about it and then didn't do anything about it. And then it must have been, you know, when she hit the year point with her fasting, 
you know, we hit another stressful time like we have over the world. We went into um, lockdown in New Zealand for COVID, which was, you know, April 2020. And again, she had done a, I'm not sure if she'd done a new post or again, I just thought of her and looked back and read this post about fasting. And the funny thing is that my biggest stress was I cannot give up that morning coffee. Like how in talking to people, obviously after I've started, that seems to be the biggest stress. There's no way that I can go to black coffee. And you were loving those cappuccinos. You know, it's just so funny when you were talking about your cappuccino habit that just, you know, I'm sure you've heard me talk about mine before. Really, my, I didn't drink coffee until my 30s. Like that's what's so funny. I didn't drink it at all. You know, it was, we didn't have Starbucks and, you know, I just wasn't drinking coffee. And then... I started drinking it for whatever reason. Then I got that latte machine that would make lattes in my classroom, and I started having lattes all the time. And that is when I started piling on the weight. That was when. So if America and the world just stopped with the lattes and the cappuccinos, I swear it would make a huge difference. But you're right. So you did not want to give up that that creamy coffee either. And you think that it's helping, but We know that it's not because you just need another one and then you just need another one. And so I went, okay, I'm going to read, you know, because you obviously talked about your book, Delay, Don't Deny. And so because we're in lockdown, I just thought, okay, I'm going to get it on my Kindle and I'm going to read it. And I spent the afternoon, I just read the whole book in one setting and It was just like this light bulb switched on for me because, you know, I had talked to different people, you know, during, you know, coming out of burnout and the advice that you always get from the experts is you just need to eat six small meals. You need to, you know, this is what you're doing wrong. And that was not the thing that was going to work for me. And and when I read when you talked about, you know, the role of insulin and how, you know, our bodies become insulin resistant. I just went, this is exactly what my problem is. And so I didn't say I'm going to start on Monday. I just went, I am starting tonight. And I just, it was, you know, to me, I knew this was going to be the thing that would work. And I'm a little bit crazy once I've made a decision, I'm incredibly determined and I knew that I was someone because of the state that my body was in, that the one meal a day heading towards the 20 hour fast was going to be the thing that my body would need to heal because I was so out of balance. And so, and I never tell my friends and family to do this now. I'm always like, go for the 16 hours, just go and gently. That's not what I did. I just went straight to the 20 hours. That's funny. You just like, all right, I'm doing it. 20 hours, bam. I'm ripping that band-aid off. <laughs> so that's how I started. And definitely the first, you know, obviously you know, the first night was easy. The second one, the energy hit. And so that second night of sleep was a little bit unsettled, but everything from that moment on. And that's just what I did from that moment. I just stuck from the 20 to 24 hour fast. I love tracking. So I think the month before I visited some of my family in Australia and I had bought myself a Fitbit. And that was so helpful because, you know, then became one of my tracking tools. And then I used the um, Life Fasting app. And 
the amazing thing for me to look at is just, you know, all the benefits. Obviously, weight loss is a goal when we start things, but I never went in of thinking I have to lose this much weight because I absolutely loved the long term goal focus and for me I just thought I'm not going to set small goals I'm just going to set the one year goal and just let my body heal and not rush this process and as long as it takes I'm fine with that and so I just started not knowing you know how long this would take but for me fasting was absolutely what my body needed and my resting heart rate was 85 when I started because my Fitbit was tracking it. And in one month, it dropped to 65. And that was such a shock for me, you know, because that wasn't a weight loss thing. This was just my body, you know, starting to heal and reset, you know, the, the um, issues that it was having. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. That's amazing. Now you said that you you had a one year goal, and so your goal was was just for healing. Did you also have like a weight loss goal? I think then I I was obviously following your fasting page and you know and listening to the podcast and hearing people's stories and also what you said about you know getting back to where you sat around around eighteen eighteen to twenty and I thought oh that's so interesting. I mean. It seemed like the craziest thing. And I think in my head, I thought, there is no way that's possible. In my 40s now, there's no way I can go back. But then I just went, "Ah, let's just see what happens. So I think in my head, 
I really wanted that, but I'm also someone who doesn't like disappointment. <laughs> so, like I said, it really so you're like that sounds too good to be true. So I won't even hope for that <laughs> out loud. But it's sort of inside. I know that's what I wanted, but you know that was my goal. And then thinking that would be amazing. Imagine getting back to that size, and all these other people have done it. So maybe it's possible. Let's just see how we go. I guess is roughly what I did in my head. But the amazing thing was eight weeks in, you know, keeping to that consistent fasting, you know, following, making sure that you know I was clean fasting, and definitely that transition from my cappuccinos to starting my day with a black coffee. You know, I don't think I'll ever go, yay, I'm having a black coffee to start my day. I actually do. I do say yay. But I don't hate it either. And yeah, the black coffee is fine. So eight eight weeks in, what happened after the first eight weeks? I lost 10 kilograms, which I've converted to is 22 pounds. And I just thought, oh, this is working for my body, you know, and I say, say to, you know, friends and family when I'm sharing, I just really focused on consistency and not making a lot of extra change. I didn't at all try to add an exercise on top of that. I just went with, you know, I'm going to fast every day. And, and that was my focus as I went along. I didn't do huge changes with my food, but also knew that, you know, I generally was eating really healthy anyway. And so that wasn't big area that I changed. But what I did notice as I went along is that my taste bugs changed. And definitely where you talk about how processed food just really becomes like a nothing, you know, like it's quite a disappointment really when you eat it. And so as I went along, and heal definitely the excitement of starting to love food again and that was a massive change for me as my natural hunger started to come back as I went along so I'd gone from not being hungry when my metabolism crashed and eating because I'd start to feel sick you know as I reached lunchtime in the afternoon obviously after all the coffees and then your body needs some food but I couldn't think what to eat and you know, it it was hard where as I went along in the fasting journey, I just was so excited about eating. It seems, sounds like the funniest thing, but starting to plan meals and having excitement around, I'd look forward to what I was going to eat. And I really craved more of a vegetarian diet. I was raised more on vegetarian food and, and vary that a little bit, but um, with fasting, I just have craved vegetarian food and I started, you know, when I do my weekly shop, you know, coming up with new recipes that I want to try and definitely very focused on refueling my body. What am I going to eat? Be very conscious of what I was going to eat and just really thinking about the food and planning around that and making it, you know, my meals definitely, as you say, window worthy and an excitement, you know, around eating again, which was really cool. And I think that's so interesting that when you were struggling with your weight and you were overweight, you were you know, having the coffees, you were had gone through all that stress, your metabolism had really shut down and you weren't that interested in food. And it's just people who had not experienced fasting would probably not believe it. It took fasting (laughs) 
for your hunger to to really get back into balance to the point that you were appropriately hungry and you lost the weight. That's the part that, you know, it's like, well, you were eating less and drinking the coffee, but your weight was rising. And then you started, you skipped the coffee. They're just drinking black coffee instead of the cappuccino and got your appetite back and started eating really like more delicious food, right? And so much food. And my children and my family laugh at me all the time because, you know, and I just love how individual this is. And we all just eat and do it differently. But when I eat, like I will have like a full dinner plate size, like size. My children will go, are you really going to eat that, mom? I'm like, yep. Just watch me. I went to an event and they had these little plates on the buffet. They were little. And I'm like, what? Well, I need two of those little plates. <laughs> and like grown men are having one little plate. And I'm like, uh-uh, no. <laughs> That's hilarious. And, you know, I definitely had a concern there, you know, having children, teenagers, and I have four boys and my youngest is a girl. And, you know, obviously conscious of the example I am to them with everything that I do and so I was a little bit worried about how am I going to present this to them because obviously you have this concern when you start and when we share with people they're thinking well you're only getting results because you're starving yourself and so you know how am I going to present this and what will they think if they see me not eating but they just I think when we talk about it children understand you know and they've watched me and seen the changes and I just use the language with them oh you know this is something I need to do to heal my body I'm not growing anymore you're growing and obviously they they see the amount of food that I eat and they just say to me if you know sometimes they'll have a treat that they want to share with them and they go mum are you fasting at the moment and I'll say oh yes I am okay I'm just going to put it over here for when you when you're not fasting and when you're going to eat and I go oh thanks and for them it's just a normal thing that I do and especially my 14 year old as he's watched me you know he's really pushed and challenged during the journey for me to try new things, you know, as I lost the weight and my energy came back, he'd be like, mum, you're a faster now, come on the swing with me or come ice skating with me or, you know, anything that's happening, you know, he's like, you know, join in. And so, you know, it's been a really cool process for them as well to see, I think me just stepping out of my comfort zone. and So they can tell, they can see that you're more energetic now than you had been before because you're, you're just over two years into fasting. So that's pretty awesome. And, you know, your kids are watching you be, you know, in tune with how much you're eating and when you're eating it. So they're going to develop those skills as well. So you're teaching them that. I think, you know, I hit, so I said, you know, the eight weeks and I'd lost the 10 kilos. And so five and a half months in, I'd lost 20 kilos, which is 44 pounds. And then sort of around, because I started at the end of April 2020. And so, again, you know, my body, I, you know, I say to people, it's pretty stubborn. And so I definitely, you know, I think people are really lucky who, you know, maybe get to sit around 18 hours fasting. I definitely, I needed the longer fast for that healing. And so, as I hit the November and December, I started adding in the alternate day fasting because I had started to plateau. And, 
Yeah, I even love, I loved the change that went with that. I actually really enjoyed it. I loved then that, you know, you'd then finish your fast around breakfast time. And so, you know, 32 to 48 hour fast, you know, a couple maybe a week or sometimes just one a week, obviously stopped over Christmas time and then started again mid-January to the mid-March as I was, I saw that one-year goal coming and I thought, okay, like you've only got this long to go. Let's just, you know, see how we can go, you know, before we hit that one-year mark. And so, and then just drop back to normal again. So, yeah, and then probably it took seven months before I started editing in any form of exercise, you know, and I say to people a lot, just be really relaxed with that process and wait, make sure that you're consistent with your fasting until you add anything extra and like exercise that may make you hungry and throw off your fasting. And so I think that's really good advice because people tend to, I know I always did back in the day, you would start something new and you wanted to start everything new all at once. Start fasting, change your diet, also add the exercise and your body's going to be so confused it's not going to know what to do and you're likely to crash and burn. So you waited seven months and then you started adding an exercise. What did you add in? I started with walking because again, I'm someone who, I just have a lot of stressful events that jump into my life. And so around this point, another thing had happened in my life that was incredibly stressful. And what I absolutely loved about fasting at the moment, normally when I'd hit something really stressful, my body would go into that whole craving thing of, oh, I need sugar. Oh, I need chocolate. I need a cappuccino. But seven, and it would have happened earlier than that. But what I really recognized at this point is that I didn't get that body response like I've always had in my life that I craved these things to suddenly make me feel okay. I just, and the stressful event didn't throw my fasting. It was my consistent thing that really helped to keep me balanced. You didn't need to soothe yourself with food. You just kept with the fasting, fasting, feasting, repeating, and that was all your body needed. That's great to hear. And it definitely helped me you know, just process at the level of stress and it stopped me from crashing back into burnout again, you know, and that was just such an incredible, incredible feeling for me. And so I started walking and then I got to January and I thought, I'm a little bit bored with this walking. I think I might start running, <laughs> which, you know, in your 40s is slightly you know, some people said, oh, you can't start running in your 40s. Like, you're going to injure yourself. And I thought, well, why can't I? And I didn't just start because I don't just start things. Like, I always think, well, how can I do this then that I can look after myself at the same time? And my younger sister in Australia, she started running in her 40s. So I just said to her, okay, I'd like to start running. I haven't run since I was in high school but I'd like to run now, tell me how to do this well. And so she gave me, you know, really good advice and I stuck to that. And so I just slowly started building up and building up and absolutely loved it, you know, and I think so much of, you know, what I realise now, because burnout is having a real imbalance of negative things in your week over positive. And so I've been really conscious in this healing process of being really aware of the things that bring me joy 
and balancing my week that way. And so for some weird reason, running brings me joy. And so I just went with it and I slowly built up to my goal was how amazing if I could get to five kilometers, which I'm not sure what that is in miles. I forgot to look it up, but I don't know either. Well, 10 kilometers is six miles. So must be about three, three. Yeah, three. So I thought that's crazy. If I could run that amount, I can't imagine. And then I got to it and I thought, oh, maybe I'll go for 10 kilometers And so I just kept going. And then I got all the way up to a half marathon. And so that has become, so as I obviously was adding in, you know, up to the half marathon. So I'd run probably three times a week, just smaller runs during the week and added a longer one on the weekend. And then I stopped the longer fast and just kept to the, you know, what I was doing, the 20 to 24 hours. And so you know, that's worked really well. Running is how I manage my mental health and my stress and fasting keeps me balanced. And what I found incredibly exciting about fasting is how it's just reset every part of my body and has made me so in tune with everything. And I know now I feel when I'm tired and when I need to say no to people. And no, sorry, I can't catch up this week because I just really need to look after myself. And so I've always been someone who's found it hard to say no. I found it really hard to set boundaries and look after myself. But now I do because I know my health is the most important thing. And if I'm not a well, then I can't look after my children. And, and they're just my focus with everything there. My focus with my health, their focus with my mental health. And so... I'm okay saying no to people now, and I and I think people around me are, are used to that. But I can feel, you know, when I'm running, when I hit, you know, that hormonal week when we're tired, I can feel, and so I I won't push myself as hard. And I know when I need rest. I know when I need exercise and need to burn energy off. And so, yeah, I just have so much confidence now. And you know, we're heading up to 50, like I'm 48, turning 49 this year and heading up to 50 and everything about turning 50 and, you know, hearing about menopause was incredibly scary for me, but now it doesn't bother me at all. I don't have a fear because I feel like I've got this, you know, fasting to me, I know it's going to help me get through um, all these different stages. And so, Yeah, I hit the one-year point and I hit my goal of getting, you know, this crazy goal that I'd set myself thinking, imagine if I could be the same size I was around 18 to 20. And I did. You know, I hit it. And it was, you know, I still think that, you know, I've then been a year in maintenance after that. And it's still a really weird thought and feeling to think that, like, and I it would actually say I think I'm in better health than I was at 18 to 20 and to think that this is the age I am and I feel just incredibly in tune with my body, healthy, strong and I know I'm doing everything I can to look after myself and my kids and that's, you know, an incredible, incredible feeling. Yeah, and I could do this as a lifestyle forever and I think, and there's nothing else I've ever done in my life that has the flexibility 
that fasting does. I can easily work it around family. I still generally in maintenance keep to one meal a day, but if I need to, and I'm more middle of the day eater, I eat anywhere between 11 up to two o'clock. And that worked a lot, has worked a lot better for me. But any reason if I want to catch up with friends for dinner, it's not a problem. And I find also with my running sometimes I need to to have an extra meal. And if I'm hungry, I'll eat because it's about listening to my body. What do I need? Do I need more food? Okay, we're going to eat an extra meal today. You know when to listen. So do you run in the fasted state? Yeah. I can't imagine running with a lot of food in your stomach, but I thought I would ask just to make sure. So so you've been in maintenance now for a year. So how has that gone? Has your weight stayed very steady? The reason I ask is because sometimes people like, I want to hear more about maintenance. In fact, just this week, someone in the community said, I want to know what story should I listen to about maintenance? And I'm like, mm, I don't know. Yeah, I've been in maintenance for over a year and I basically do keep more to the one meal a day, but definitely I'd probably over a week. I mean, yesterday I decided that um, around five o'clock I was still hungry, so I had some more food. And so it is very much listening to my body. I definitely tracked, you know, using the Life Fasting app even up to the two-year point, I was still tracking my fast. And then eventually I went, mm, do I really need to do this anymore? <laughs> and so I have actually stopped now because I don't need to do that. And so it's more probably the other way when when I hit the beginning of this year. And I definitely listened, you know, I'm really conscious of listening to people around me. And, you know, my mum had said to me, okay, no more losing weight. And I went, sure, I'm really fine with that. You know, and it's that funny thing, you know, depending what we're using, again, using the BMI, I'm really sitting in the middle of my healthy weight range. As you talk about, because of that increased growth hormone, and obviously with running as well, I've built a lot of muscle, you know, and there's no way that I would want to sit at the bottom of my healthy weight range because I know that I would look unwell. Too thin. It is. And so even with getting back into the size I was, you know, around 18 to 20, I'm sitting heavier definitely heavier. And I know you've talked about that a lot. Because of that, I'm sitting heavier than that. And so, you know, you wouldn't want to push for that that lower weight. And so I don't really weigh myself anymore. I just use my clothes. But I do probably, if I think about it once a month, or I will check my weight. And that's not to actually say that I've gone up. It's because I want to make sure I haven't gone down. And so I'll just randomly check that way to make sure I, I haven't dropped, you know, under where I, I said I would sit. And so in the end, at the one-year goal, I had lost 30 kg, which is 66 pounds. And I've pretty much sat on exactly, you know, and I mean, definitely over a month, you'll we know we get a variance of the up and down and, you know, that's hormone related and everything else. And, and that's not even something that bothers me. But yeah, I'm more jumping on the scales occasionally just to make sure that I'm not going too low. And, you know, and that hasn't been a problem. 
and I just use my clothes. And so it's the easiest lifestyle. I just have so much food freedom now and and that just gives me so much joy. I think, you know, we grew up in this diet mindset. I have a really large family and I've been really lucky. They're all incredibly health conscious and focused. But then I think in that, you know, and also the women around me as well, there's always been that, oh, what are you doing at the moment? Are you low carb? Or, oh, look, so-and-so has lost weight. And so, you know, it is that focus a lot on someone's doing Jenny Craig at the moment or someone's lost weight over there. And I don't feel like I'm on a diet. I'm not restricted in any way. All I'm doing is, you know, managing the time when I eat in that I don't feel I'm restricting food. Yes, I eat really healthy as a general rule because I feel that I'm refueling my body and that's really important. I'm going to eat the cake and I'm going to enjoy the treats with my kids when there's things on and there's no guilt over that. And that, you know, is so much fun. (laughs) This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. It really, really is to lose that guilt because prior to intermittent fasting, you know, you, you talked about how you had done all those diets over the years and how unsustainable they were. And with fasting, you don't have to have to worry about that. I find that I naturally, after I've had some periods of excess or I've eaten more than I needed to, my body naturally is like, okay, time to not quite eat as much. And I don't have to stress about it. My body just knows that, right? Does, do you find the same to be true? Definitely. And so I think it's my window, eating window is open. You know, it's learning to eat till you're satisfied. And then I might do one day that might take two hours, another day that window might be four to six hours. And so I definitely have found, you know, again, it's that being in tune with what I need and that's what I listen to. It's not about, oh, no, don't eat this much food because I eat a lot of food, you know, way more than I did before. And sure, they might be huge big plates of salad and lots of vegetables and soups and, you know, whatever – I'm eating, but I'm also comfortable to add treats in on top of that, you know, it's, and it's been really fun sharing, you know, this journey. I think it's a terrifying thing to do at the beginning, but 
you know, I was just so grateful that Heather shared her story with me. And so, and if she hadn't done that, you know, I still would have been looking for answers. And so it is that brave that you have to have to think, if I can make a difference to one other person and give them, you know, answers and freedom, I just need to do this. And so I started sharing my journey on my Facebook page with friends and family. And then you know, then you can sort of put it out there and leave it for people to come back to you. Because I said, you know, happy to share any more. And so then, you know, I had people come back asking. And so then I started, you know, just a secret Facebook page. That, and then I could share, you know, your books on and information and just how people could get started and how important the clean fast is for reducing insulin in the body. And I think... We've got about 185 people maybe just on that page because then people I know would add their friends and so, you know, I've sort of sucked family and friends into fasting as well as you tend to and so it's quite cool to do as a family. My mum fasts and my sister fasts and, and we all do it slightly different but still can work around each other as well. And so there's really no better feeling than knowing you've spread it to people in your your real life and and that you're changing their health as well. So you eat from 11 to 2 generally. That's your favorite window time. How did you settle on that? How did you figure out that the midday eating window worked best for you? Well, at first I started with the more having the evening meal because I think, you know, that's generally as families, you know, when we tend to eat. So I definitely started with that, but I just found it was a really long time, you know, that whole day. And so I think I just over time started dropping back. And then I thought, well, and probably listening to some of your podcasts as well and and hearing that people are doing more a lunch window and trying it. And I thought this is just so much easier for me. And then all I'd do at nighttime and I haven't ever had an issue with preparing you know, the evening meal and feeling a hunger around that. So I can easily cook for the family. It didn't throw me at all. And so I just sit down with everyone with a hot water. And so you're still socially joining in and feeling like you're having that time together. But yeah, for me, it just, it always felt a lot better. And so I just end up switching to that and, I, and I've stuck with it. And some days, like if I run in the morning, I might not eat till two o'clock. So I find after I run, it just takes a little bit for my body to settle then and then feel hungry and eat. And then, yeah, some days I'll be hungry at 11. I think, okay, obviously, especially the day after I run, I find the next day I need to eat a bit earlier. So then I'll listen to that and maybe eat at 11 o'clock. So it's sort of, I'll just vary it around, you know, what's happening and um, how my body is feeling that day. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So how about any non-scale victories that you've had or positive health changes? Well, definitely the, you know, as I said to you, my resting heart rate dropped down, you know, and really fast. I think I'm still quite amazed by that. So, and I think it probably sits around, 58 to 62 now yeah just my body reaction to stress you know again as I said I'm one of those people that just seems to get really big things that happen in my life my kids joke sometimes that they could create a movie of my life or a reality show and it's true and where before 
you know, like stress, as we know, it's so damaging to health. And so, you know, we have a stress reaction and the body will crash or you then think, oh, I can't do this eating, you know, eating healthy and well because, you know, I'm stressed. And so, you know, you give yourself permission, I think, to go for unhealthy things, but my body doesn't do that anymore. And so that to me is a real victory, just being so in tune with everything again and I think that is a huge part of the healing just getting everything back into balance and then getting in tune with your body and what it needs when I need rest I can I know when I need that and I'll make myself stop now and look after myself you know people that are just starting out often that sounds like such a mystery to them you know listening to your body it's like how do I know if I need to eat more how do I know if I ate too much <laughs> shouldn't I just count my calories just to see but you know listening to you Carol explain you really do know when you need to eat more right yes definitely so how do we know <laughs> how would you tell someone who asked you that how do you know you need to eat more I mean, I know too, but. Well, I think at first you stop and you think like, am I hungry or am I cold? Because, you know, at the moment we're in winter and so it is a little bit of that adjustment over. Like, am I cold? Is that why I'm hungry? And so I think you just sit with it for a bit. You know, instead I'm also conscious of not overdoing my coffee. And so I generally start with a black coffee and, 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 just again, thinking about looking after my body and stress, then I make sure I don't drink too much in the day. And so we're in winter at the moment, so I have gone to the hot water. And to be honest, it makes me feel like a little bit of an old person and I giggle about it to myself. And so sometimes if it was 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning and I get that feeling and I think, okay, am I hungry or am I just cold? Or is it just because I ate at 11 o'clock yesterday? My body's like, oh, we ate at 11 o'clock yesterday. Maybe you need to eat at 11 o'clock today. And so I'll make myself a hot drink or go and distract myself with an activity for a bit, you know, whether that's for half an hour, an hour, and then you think about it again. And if that feeling is still there and I'm hungry, I'm like, okay, I'm hungry today. And, you know, I know I went for a run yesterday and so today I'm going to eat earlier. And so then, yeah, so, and I'll do that also at night time if, you know, I get to a point and I get this wave of hunger, I'll generally sit on it for a bit. But if it doesn't go away, I think, no, my body needs more food. And so I'm going to give it more food. That's very much what I do. Sometimes I'll have hungrier days where I'm hungry earlier in the day. And sometimes I'll be like, all right, okay, it's you know one o'clock. It's not time for me to eat yet. I'll eat at two if I'm still hungry. But then if like 1.30 rolls around and I'm like, I'm really, really hungry. I'm like, I'm just going to eat. That doesn't happen a lot of days, but it, it does happen sometimes. I'm like, why am I pushing myself to wait till two or three if I'm really hungry? So, but you you can tell when it's different, when it's not just boredom hunger. And it sounds crazy until people know. Once you can figure it out, you you know the difference. Because sometimes there is that boredom hunger, but it's it's not real. And that's what I think you your strategy is if that you just sit with it and see. And if it passes, then it wasn't real hunger. And if if it lets you know you need to eat, then you know it was real. And I think it also depends where you are. At the journey, obviously, when, you know, I was trying to reach goals more, you know, I probably would have pushed through more with finding distraction things or, and definitely once you hit the maintenance stage, I think you look at it a little bit 
different than you know when you're you're trying to lose weight so I definitely have a lot more and we do need a little more food in maintenance we need a little more food than when we were losing not giant amounts more but you do need more and that's what your body really lets you know so is there anything that you struggle with the only thing probably which may be negative to me and I don't know if it's related to fasting and the way that I chose to do it and you know, as I said, I just ripped that Band-Aid off straight into it. And it's hard to know if it's an age thing again or if it was how I did the fasting at the beginning is um, I ended up losing, you know, like a good amount of hair. I've always had really thick hair. And I don't know if just going in so hard, you know, it gives you your body that, you know, shock of what are you doing? And so that has been a little bit of adjustment for me going from someone who's always had incredibly thick hair to, you know, I have quite thin hair now. And again, so it's still thin and it hasn't grown back in thicker. But I think it's probably because now my that's a stress response for my body. So I might have activated that with fasting and then other stress events that have come on, you know, they've become the trigger for that again. And again, I'm 48. You know, a lot of people talk about hair thinning when they get older. But, you know, again, I don't know if that was related to fasting or not. The way the stress response hair loss occurs generally is what will happen is when you start losing the hair, if you count back like three months from now, like let's say you know, someone's listening and they're noticing they're losing a lot of hair and they're like, oh no, what's happening? Count back three months and say, what happened three months ago? And so for someone who's fasting, if that is when you started fasting, then it is definitely a possibility that your body is perceiving fasting as a stressor. But by the time the hair starts falling out, the stress response has already occurred and generally hair's regrowth is already starting. Like it's actually the hair's falling out because new hair is like pushing it out. So it's really unusual for people to continue to have hair loss long-term with fasting. It usually happens like at a, you know, right, right at the beginning or during the stressful time. So, and you were also, you started right there in April of 2020 when the world was full of a lot of stress. So... But that's just one type of hair loss that till I don't know if I'm going to say it right, delusion, effluvium or something. That's the stress related hair loss that generally is temporary and doesn't happen again. I actually had some when I did keto, my hair, my body didn't like that. And um, then I had one other time I've had it. It was after I had COVID. It was early November of 2021 in about maybe... Late January, I started noticing a lot of hair was falling out, and I counted back, and I'm like, it's COVID. <laughs> so now I have a bunch of baby hair growing back in. And so definitely the little bits, you know, that I've lost recently have nothing to do with the fasting. They were the other extra stress events that came along. If it was fasting, it was only just that little bit at the beginning, you know, when I started otherwise. And it could have been. If your body perceived it as a stress, then that absolutely could be what it is. Because you're like, bam, I'm fasting 20 hours a day. And your body's like, what? Or again, as you said, we were in COVID lockdown, which, you know, was a really stressful time just trying to work out what was going on and what was it was going to look like moving forward. And so, and stress is cumulative. It does add up, you know, one thing that might not be a big stress when you add five more things on top of it, suddenly your body's like, help. 
<laughs> That's important. So we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? What I'd say is just focus on consistency. It's what I say to people all the time. Just every day, you know, focus on your consistency. Just keep doing the same thing. And, you know, if you have a day that maybe doesn't go to plan, it doesn't matter because keep the big picture focus. Like this is a lifestyle. It's not, you know, a fast. It's not a diet. There's no quick goals you're going for just consistently keep going and for some reason you have a day that you know you break your fast like don't let that throw the journey just keep going and you definitely you'll get the results that you want you know it's something for me I you know I just I'm so passionate about it it will make the difference if you just keep going I love that. I just had an epiphany recently. You know, people sometimes will ask, what's more important, the fast or the feast? And I just realized recently, it's neither the fast nor the feast, it's the repeat. (laughs) And that's what, you know, you're saying here with the consistency. You're going to fast, you're going to feast, but you got to just repeat. Keep doing it. And if if you quit doing it, you don't don't quit. Stop stopping. (laughs) As long as you've got the repeat, you'll be fine. Well, Carol, I have really enjoyed talking to you today and thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much for your books and sharing your knowledge. It's just, it's completely changed my life and yeah, it's so exciting. Thank you. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. I feel like I was blindsided. Because it's a competition show. From the producers of Jury Duty and The Bachelor. We have scoured the earth for the 14 greatest reality contestants that were available during our production window. Comes a reality competition show about reality competition shows. Nobody has dared to find out who is the actual best at just being on a reality show. I'm your host, comedian Daniel Tosh. Is winner go home. Each episode, our contestants will face new challenges. They will test their strength and lack of life skills for a chance to win $200 million. Thousands, not $200,000. Prepare, because it's about to be ugly crying. Lots of fighting. Tasha, I have to defend myself. Celebrating 25 years of reality TV with your favorites. I have diarrhea. You cannot do this to me. What in gay hell have I got myself into? The Goat, premiering on Freebie and Prime Video on May 9th.